Welcome to Old Eyes New Glasses, a podcast about relationships, family, and how emotional intelligence impacts our lives. My name is Avery Baker and my dad is Brian Baker. It's a family joke that he's got the old eyes and I've got the new glasses and that's how we got the name of our show. Together, we are the only father and son inspirational speaking duo on the circuit. This podcast is an extension of the messages we share with audiences we speak to, ranging from thousands of people at national conferences to high school gymnasiums with 1,200 students. Get ready to listen to some of the most dynamic, the most unique, and the most inspirational cross-generational conversations you've ever heard. Okay, so today we're going to spend some time talking about developing our self-awareness. Now, many of you that have listened to our podcast before or even seen us speak before, you know that social and emotional intelligence is a big part of what we talk about, is a big part of the skill set that we believe in, and it's a big part of how we believe that everyone can work on um, themselves and work on their self-improvement and just become better people. And so self-awareness, for those of you that don't know, self-awareness is the first of four pillars or four quadrants in social and emotional intelligence. And so uh, but without without further ado, Pops, I just want to say how you doing today and, uh, you know, let everybody know what, what you're feeling like today. Doing well and, and, and feeling uh, thankful. Gratitude. Um, just another day getting closer, hopefully, to the end of uh, to the end of the, the pandemic. Uh, certainly more optimistic than I was in the past. Um, but yeah, doing doing good and social and emotional intelligence, as you mentioned, is a really big part of uh, what helps me be optimistic. If we're talking about being able to um, be in touch with our emotions and understanding uh, and recognizing those very things, that helps that helps me. So I, it's a good good topic for today. Uh, and so yeah, go ahead, man. I'll turn it over to you. We'll go from there. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, self-awareness today, and um, in the in the realm of social and emotional intelligence, there's three competencies that uh, make up your self-awareness. It starts with emotional self-awareness, and then it goes to accurate self-assessment, and then it talks about your personal power. So uh, before we dive into each of those, I think we can kind of go back and forth and just talk about... Um, our own experiences with developing our own self-awareness, sure. what that looks like, yeah. um, and then um, and then we can kind of transition into those individual competencies. So I'll ask you, Pops, like, what has your journey been like in developing your self-awareness? Um, are there times in your life where you feel like um, you've had a lot of growth in your self-awareness, and can you pinpoint those? If, if you know that there's times, or if not, that's okay too, but yeah, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, well, for me, uh, it really started after the loss of uh, of your your grandfather and your great grandfather and your uncle and your great grandmother back in 2008 and 2009. Uh, actually, in 2009 is when I first started to discover social and emotional intelligence and began to read about it. I didn't dive. Um, head first into it, but it had some some interesting concepts that helped me uh, bring myself out of uh, the rock bottom that I had hit after the deaths of all of our family members. Actually, a friend of mine gave me a book on it, and so it did intrigue me when I started reading about self awareness and and you know recognizing your emotions and how your emotions lead to your thoughts and how your thoughts lead to your behaviors it intrigued me how to improve your relationships relationship management intrigued me talking about empathy um, there were things actually that I was uh, a little bit familiar with because your grandparents actually raised me to be cognizant of a lot of these things you know social and emotional intelligence really is just another soft skill or a people skill and you know being raised by two teachers that was something that they emphasized uh in the household so uh, after the deaths of our family members though um i really began to look at it a lot a lot closer 
uh, and went on to get a, um, a certification as a social and emotional intelligence coach. So I went through a program and developing self-awareness was really uh, kind of a catalyst, if you will, uh, for me to become a better uh, father. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you'd have to confirm or deny that, but becoming a better uh, husband and becoming certainly a better colleague and boss um, in the corporate space where I was at the time. So, you know, when we begin to, cl- to see ourselves more clearly, um, we tend to be more confident. Um, we tend to be uh, more creative, even if we really don't have a creative, the creative genes within us. You, you can become more creative. You can work on that. You make better decisions. You can have stronger relationships and you learn how to communicate uh, better. And that's really what developing your self-awareness can do for you. Yeah. 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 I like, I like a lot of what you just said there and, um, you know, pinpointing the time, the time frame and the timeline and, and understanding, um, that you had almost reached rock bottom before I had reached rock bottom. You had reached rock bottom, um, and, and social and emotional intelligence and becoming more aware of yourself and becoming more tuned in and tapped in with yourself was the thing that uh, helped you start the climb out of of rock bottom. Well, it helped me recognize and realize that I couldn't get out of that hole by myself, right? Mm. Therapy was part of that. Mm. Having the self-awareness to know when you need some help. Mm. (laughs) Having the awareness to understand like your weaknesses and being able to embrace those. So, um, yeah. So, 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 you know, I, I attempted to raise you very similar to the way (laughs) that, you know, your grandparents raised me. So a lot of the stuff that I was trying to instill in you and in Justin, um, I see a lot of that in you. Obviously, you're 25 years old. You're way more socially and emotionally intelligent at at your age than I was at 25. So yeah. how's that kind of shown up, you know, for you yeah. when you've been able to start to recognize that? Well, one thing that I'm just thinking about now for the first time is like the impact that you exploring social and emotional intelligence during a time when Justin and I were in high school or entering high school like I'm just thinking about the impact that that had on your parenting style through through that you know time period for you where you were really learning about that and and coming out of the the rock bottom place where you were Mm -hmm. now obviously we know some of the side effects of you being at rock bottom I mean we had our own battles and our own struggles um, that, you know, could be attributed to us both struggling with losses of our family members and close family members at that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think that I'm reflecting on the time period, you know, as, as I'm thinking about from 2008 and then as the years went on and I graduated high school in 2013 and during that time frame is when you started to really explore social and emotional intelligence and so um, thinking about the questions that you used to ask us and thinking about you know what something you used to tell me a lot was um, you know I, I, I ought to get to know myself better yeah and I ought to yeah. you know you you, you were yeah. encouraging me to spend time yep. with myself to get to know the person in the mirror yeah and so it's very interesting um, because I think in a lot of ways you're, you're you're spot on that spending time to get to know the person in the mirror is so valuable mm. um, and it's a huge part of you know becoming um, a well-rounded individual it's a huge part of of getting to know yourself is a huge part of your own success yeah and it's a huge part of just your personal development as a human being Mm -hmm. so uh, I would say that you know yeah my my experience with self-awareness and my journey started off young I think you and mama kind of always encourage that through questions Mm -hmm. I reflect on just you know the conversations and the discussions we had they always included a lot of questions and the question that seemingly always uh, entered the conversation was why yeah and why is a is a really great question some as a question that I used to hate a lot because mm-hmm. it required a, a deeper level of thought and and especially when I was taking tests growing up and there would be a free response question 
and it would ask, you know, why is such and such, a, or it would, it would say like, you know, talk about blah blah blah. But then at the end of that prompt, it would say why. Yeah. See, I was I was preparing you, man. Yeah. Oh, Little sure. did you know. I'm told. Yeah, I'm sure that that was your thought the whole time. But, <laughs> but I think as I got older um, and, and started to get into the college years exploring my own self-awareness and, and and becoming a lot more curious about myself was something that um, definitely happened for me and and I don't know you know necessarily um, what spurred that I think it was a combination of a lot of things I think um, entering a space a college that had over 30,000 kids in it and realizing that like uh, I'm in a big pond. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the ocean and I'm like one fish swimming in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so, um, whereas my high school was obviously a lot smaller than that. And it felt like I um, was more connected with a lot of people. It felt like my support system was a lot bigger mm -hmm. in high school. And then that transition to college, I realized like, wow, like I don't know that many people, or at least the percentage of people that I know here is very, very small. And so, um, I think a lot of that, you know, and just getting older and, and um, just starting to become more curious about my own psychology, my own well-being, mm -hmm. my own mental health. Um, and then, you know, during college, halfway through college is when I started struggling with ADD. And so that took my own curiosity about my mental well-being to another level mm -hmm. because I really felt like I needed to explore that in order to um, continue to achieve the things that I had set out for myself in order to continue to uh, meet the goals that I set out for myself. So I think that um, my exploring my self-awareness came out of, at first it came out of a place of curiosity and then uh, later on it came out of a place of necessity yeah uh, i needed to explore myself more and it's similar to where you were yeah um at, at you know after the losses of uncle mark and grampy mm -hmm. and grandma portia and great grampy you know and so i that's where it started for me and and then since then since we've been you know running this business for the last three and a half years it's just it's grown exponentially um it never stops though man you right? have to continue to um to, to work on that it's it's funny you brought up that I would uh, say to you that you need to spend more time with yourself kind of getting to know yourself and it, it just reminds me of uh, when you were making your plans to uh, move to Sydney Australia for uh, for a semester of study and uh, I recall the night that you were looking at your housing accommodations and all of the options that you had for your housing accommodations. And I can recall you saying, yo, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this apartment with like five other people. Do you remember the conversation that we had that night? I, you know, and I said to you, like, do you really want to do that, though? And you were like, yeah, dude, like, like, this is my thing. This is not your thing, which I respected and understood but for me i remember saying to you it's like man this is a beautiful time you're gonna be gone for six months the total opposite uh, side of the globe you're not gonna know anyone you were right. going down there not knowing anybody and you know i was trying to encourage you to do the studio uh uh living situation as opposed to like the five the six person apartment situation and it was kind of funny because uh, and it'd be interested for to hear from you kind of like like how you felt when you got down there uh and got situation and uh, situated and settled and lived by yourself because you you submitted the six-person apartment thing and then it came back that like that wasn't available mm -hmm. and that you needed to do a studio mm -hmm. right so that's what ended up happening so for me you know internally i was elated because i was like <laughs> i think this is the this is going to be make for a better experience for you yeah. um and uh, but that again that's my own personal thing because i was in the middle of understanding at that point in time in my life uh, of understanding the importance of, of 
developing your self-awareness and being able to hear your thoughts and hear your mindfulness and hear your breath and just solitude in terms of just being your thoughts clearly clear your thoughts clearly yes and so anyway you know not to digress too much but like how did how do you think it would have been different for you in retrospect had you gone down there and lived with four or five other people versus the studio situation that you had would it have made any any difference to you well i think i mean i probably would have i would have known more people had i lived with the the four or five other people but you've never had a problem like getting to know people you're very comfortable connecting so you ended up going down there and meeting a ton of people anyway but i'm sorry go ahead yeah yeah i think that um you know you're spot on i I relish the opportunity to meet new people and, and to create new connections. Um, I think that the benefits of living on our own, and I do remember that because I remember getting the studio, um, the studio apartment back. Like as a, uh, they rejected my submission for the five-person mm-hmm. suite or flat or whatever. But then sending back the studio, I was kind of like. A part of me was kind of like, huh, I guess this is meant to be. And a little bit of me was like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> this dude, he's going to he's gonna be like, ah, I told you so. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, once I got the, once, once they sent that back, the studio, I was like, yeah, let's rock with this. Because it was going to be the first time in my life where I was really going to be living on my own. Um, and, and yeah, because if I could, because like before that, like in the dorms, you had like what four, three roommates, mm-hmm. you know, in the apartment situations you lived in, you had three or four roommates. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that that was gonna be the first time. Yeah. I just, I just, yeah, you saying well, that, and I, I mean, it, it's, it's been the only time in my life where I've actually lived on my own. Mm. So um, from that standpoint, it definitely stands out, and um, and it's a unique time in my life because. I was able to do a lot of things for myself, by myself, mm. um, and and kind of being on my own schedule, not necessarily having the same level of distractions of other people having their friends over or other people doing yeah. things or other people, you know, watching movies and playing video games in the in the common areas. So it was cool to just be able to 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 experience that. Um, by myself and and have that quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up journaling a lot mm. during that time, mm. and I think big that, part of self awareness. Yeah, that's a big part. That's yeah. a, that's a huge part of developing your self awareness yeah. is journaling, um, and especially on a regular basis because you start to um, pick up how you're feeling on a regular basis. What are the things you're thinking about mm-hmm. on a regular basis? What things make you tick on a regular basis? What things bring you joy? Yes. Um, and that's a lot of the things, if you are gonna start that that road down journaling, you know, those are the, those are some of the areas that yeah. you could focus on when you're trying to develop your self-awareness is thinking about the emotions that you experience throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, talking about how to name them, how yeah. to name them, yeah. Yeah, talking about your high point and your low point throughout your day and then what you can do is it's great to reflect on that and it's great to look back because if you do that consistently you have days and days and weeks and weeks Mm -hmm. of information from your own internal spirit and your own internal brain Mm -hmm. that uh, in your mind that can kind of paint a picture for you It, it helps you see yourself from almost like a third party lens almost like uh you know you're viewing yourself as neutral as opposed to always just keeping things inside so that's that's a little bit of the benefits of journaling and that's what i realized um and and not super intentionally either Mm -hmm. it was a side effect Mm -hmm. of journaling i just wanted to kind of remember the things that i was doing you really don't um, you know, several times in life, move to the other side of the globe to study for a semester, right? right? And so you, yeah, it's a great way to just kind of, you know, uh, capture those memories uh, and those moments. So yeah. no, I get that. Everything that you're naming, though, you know, it's a good segue, actually, is um, emotional self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? And again, that's recognizing your emotions and the effect that it has on you. And so when you're, you know, journaling being a great way of doing that. And as you said, waking up in the morning and 
keeping track on like if you do that for a week consistently right and then you check in with yourself during the day and you check in with yourself you know in the evening and you check in with your body to see what your body is telling you all of that stuff um is 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 part of emotional self-awareness but it's also you know a big part of developing your self-awareness i think i think for clarity we should define what social and emotional intelligence Mm. actually is for for everyone that's listening to this and it really is just your ability to be aware of your emotions and the aware of, uh, of emotions of other people in the moment and then to use that information to manage your actions and to manage your responsibilities. And so, you know, self-awareness is really the the foundation mm. of that. And and that's why it really is the, the, the first uh, quadrant in the four quadrant model that, uh, that we talk about. And so you mentioned at the beginning, emotional self-awareness, uh, accurate self-assessment, and uh, your personal power play a role uh, in developing your self-awareness. One of the things that we say to people is that, you know, we want them to become self-aware of their self-awareness, mm. right? Yeah. Which I, you know, I, I kind of get a kick out of that because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, that really is what it's about. Like, you cannot really become self-aware, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not aware that you're trying to become that. Yeah. And so I think another thing, too, and we talked about this recently, you're reading a book about self-awareness, I believe, or mindfulness, is that correct? Mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah. And um, in the book they were talking about, you, you, you told me a quote, so you could probably correct me if I get this wrong, but uh, she, the author, wrote... Um, that the journey to self-awareness or like, you know, understanding, truly understanding your self-awareness is the realization that you'll never Correct. understand yourself fully. Right. Something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. That's the understanding that, you know, the, 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 the deal is it's just nonstop. Mm. Right. It's just it's, it's you're, you're always trying to, to catch up with it. Right. I mean, when you think you got it. You know, and again, that's a segue to accurate self-assessment, right? Because accurate self-assessment really is about trying to make sure that you have a, uh, an inner awareness of your strengths and of your limits, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that 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 the book talks about is the ability to just kind of look into the mirror and really, you know, understand who it is that you're seeing in the mirror. Right? Are you accurately being able to assess who it is that you see? So, you know, for somebody your age who's 25, you know, you know, even though, you know, you're you're 25 years old, uh, you've been on this journey for a couple of years in your life. Other 25 year olds may look into the mirror and you know think they see who they you know who they see, but they really can't assess who that person is. I'm in my mid 50s, right? I think I have an accurate view of, of who I am, um, you know, and I do in some aspects, but not in all aspects, because it's always a nonstop, it's a nonstop journey. So, you know, that's why we always, you know, do the exercise, who are you? Because it's a fantastic way uh, to kind of take inventory and you, everybody I think should do that occasionally, ask yourself the question, who are you and then actually answer the question <laughs> right don't just ask who are you and just like that's cute no answer the question and if you begin to struggle to answer that question of who you are then let that be a sign to you that you better start uh, working on that yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 to go further on that well first of all i did want to say what is the book we keep referring to this book it's called the art of talking to yourself ah okay okay well everybody you should check that out good read good read what i was going to say about um accurate self-assessment is it's really great and i know you kind of gave a definition of it uh, knowing your strengths and your limits um and that's where i was going to go with this i think um it's really important when we're trying to improve upon ourselves when we're trying to obtain some goals and, and reaching and striving for the success that that we seek in our lives knowing your strengths and your weaknesses um, those are two things that that can be profound for you uh, for example 
me being a motivational speaker, me being a public speaker. Like I already knew that I had, uh, my, one of my strengths is the ability to connect with people and uh, the ability to be comfortable speaking in front of a room full of people. And so uh, utilizing that and turning that into a business has so far been very successful for me. And, and, and so um, that is one of the benefits of accurate self-assessment. Now, at the same time, knowing what your weaknesses are is also something that we should all be um, well in tune with because it'll show us and it'll help guide us to places where we need help. Um, and it'll help, uh, or excuse me, it'll show us, you know, what things that we can um, be doing to improve upon ourselves. We call these opportunity areas. Um, what's up? Just man? for everybody to know, uh, our Rottweiler just walked into the room and he's distracting Avery right now. So no, oh, I'm keep, just looking at you, and I'm like to keep it real. The, you know, the 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 95 pound Rottweiler decided to just come in and cop a squat. But anyway, go ahead and continue it. That's really where I was going with you. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> well, I do. I, I, I think the thing that, uh, that that people fail to realize oftentimes when they're, they're accurately assessing themselves or not accurately assessing themselves is that you have to be completely honest about it. And one of the things that happens when we're completely honest about stuff is that we have to realize that we all have blind spots and 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 that is the thing sometimes that people don't acknowledge right so i think that everybody listening to this will know of someone in their life in their community their tribe work whatever that thinks that they are the cat's meow they don't do anything wrong the, the greatest thing since sliced bread but then so many other people know differently than that mm -hmm. right and so that becomes you know a blind spot mm -hmm. we all have blind spots it's a it's a normal thing and and i think the thing that can help you with that is is to talk to people in your circle that uh whose opinions you you respect um people that that you're close to and ask them questions about um, you know what they think, uh, uh, or, or ask them questions that will allow you to be able to understand where your blind spots are. For example, you know one of the things that uh, I used to struggle with when I was younger, and I never struggle with it now, is failing to ask someone for help. That used to be a prideful thing for me when I was younger. And I realized very early on in the corporate world mm. when I was when I was in my mid twenties, like, no, that's a benefit yeah. to ask people yeah. for help. And I think there are a lot of folks that still operate that way to this day. Um your mom might like might, you know, smack me if she hears this podcast. <laughs> but your mother is one of those people who just does not like to ask for help at certain with certain things yeah. and i always try to tell her i'm just kind of like that's not helping you not asking for help right and so we have to just understand that we all have blind spots and we have to understand that in developing our self-awareness which is as you mentioned knowing your strengths knowing your weaknesses understanding you know your values your beliefs your needs your habits um, why you do the things that you do, what it is that makes you tick internally. There's also a thing called external self-awareness, mm -hmm. which is basically understanding how you're perceived yeah. by other people. Yeah. And you and I have had conversations about this in the past because, you know, there's a lot of folks that like, you know, roll with like, look, I don't care what anybody has, uh, you know, thinks about me. And there's a, there's a time and place for that, right? But it's not about the not caring what somebody else thinks about you. It's really you understanding how you're perceived by other people. Mm -hmm. So like if you're in a work setting, right? It's beneficial for you to understand how you're perceived by other people if you are an aspiring leader. Mm -hmm. Or if you are a leader and you wanna become the best leader that you can be, 
uh, it would be good to understand, you know, how you're perceived by other people. And if you're if you're reluctant to do that, if you're reluctant to 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 be curious about that, I think that there's going to be some stumbling blocks along the way that are not going to allow you to perhaps grow and mature into the type of leader that really is a good leader of people. And so um, that's why the accurate self-assessment piece of developing your self-awareness is so important because it's just that being accurate, uh, you know, about who you are and how you're rolling, right? And being honest about it. I love how you talk about the difference between internal self-awareness and external self-awareness because mm-hmm. there is a difference and, and both matter um, a lot. And before I, I carry on with that, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think um, people don't necessarily recognize is when we're asking questions and um, when we're asking questions from people that you know we may care about, we may value their opinion one of the things that it does is not only is asking for help good for the person that's asking for help Mm -hmm. but it's good for building the relationship Mm -hmm. with the person that they're asking help from yeah Uh, we talk about that in building trust and and asking others for their opinion or asking for help is a trust uh maker yep and that's one of the things that helps create more trust in a relationship and and this gets into the uh the fourth component or the fourth quadrant of social and emotional intelligence which is relationship management Mm -hmm. so we're just giving you a glimpse of where the connection is between the first quadrant or the first pillar and the fourth quadrant the fourth pillar first being self-awareness the fourth being relationship management we're more aware of ourself when we're more able and prepared to ask others for help we're in turn actually building and we're managing our relationships because we're valuing the opinions of others yeah so uh, i just wanted to add that in there because i think it's really valuable for those to to hear that yeah Um, asking for help is is great it's it's a really important thing to do well that's why it just kind of just quickly before you continue um that's why i mentioned uh, a little while ago that when we see ourselves more clearly you know we tend to be more confident we tend to have stronger relationships we tend to communicate better and right and so you know what folks have to understand is the social part of social and emotional intelligence is about the relationship yes right and so um so you you, you're right to point out the connection between self-awareness and relationship management right but it's also you know very much connected obviously to the ability to Mm self-manage which is one of the other quadrants as well as uh, awareness of other people which is the third quadrant so you know it's um developing self-awareness is huge i happen to believe that it's it's probably the most important tool that you can have in your toolbox for your personal and your professional growth and you know i know that professionally uh in that corporate space where i led uh teams of people for many many years i became a much better leader of people when i was uh, more self-aware before that i really in in looking back I was a good manager of people. Mm. But when I became more self-aware of how to actually lead mm-hmm. and the ingredients that, that needs to go into that in terms of, of uh, empathy, the ingredients that needs to go into that in terms of you know using the interpersonal communication skills that I had uh, to build trust and to build bonds and to be you know someone who was an influencer all of those things yeah. happened yeah. when I became more self-aware yeah. uh, of knowing what it is that I needed to do to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the last ingredient of developing your self-awareness, and that is your personal power. Now, I'll give you a running definition of personal power. It's the feeling of self-confidence and belief in your capabilities in order to live the life that you choose. Mm. And so um, personal power is something that uh, I would say uh, personally, <laughs> ironically, personally, I feel like it's the most important aspect of, uh, of developing your self-awareness. Now, it's not necessarily the foundation, but I think that for those of us that um, you know, we're able to get in tune with our emotions, that's the foundation, I think. Then you gotta assess yourself accurately. 
Um, but your personal power is the thing that I think takes you to another level. Mm-hmm. I think it's the thing that gives you the certainty that you will be able to, um, you know, not only just make it through life, but the certainty that you'll be able to live the life that you choose. It's mm. part of the it's part of the definition in there. Uh, and and the reason I'm so big on personal power because it has to do a lot with self confidence. And for somebody that can admit that I struggled with self confidence for a, uh, you know a long a long time. Yeah, I would you say. did, man. And you, you, you <laughs> we'd shoot the basketball on the basketball court. <laughs> Drove me nuts as your coach, but continue. Yeah, see, and, and so um, as you can tell, it was uh, it was noticeable that I that I would struggle with my self confidence. But I think having been in a place where you know I doubted myself a lot. And knowing the crippling feeling that comes from doubting yourself and and just not being able to pursue the things that you might want to pursue Mm. or to to really go after your dreams and your goals and Mm. your aspirations um, and then growing out of that, growing out of that, uh, that trapped feeling, growing out of that feeling of um, lacking self-confidence into a person that can now talk about uh, the importance that is your personal power. The importance that it, it is to understand that, hey, you know, you've got to know that the person in the mirror has got it. Yeah. You, you've you got it. And yeah. that's what I'd like to talk about when I, when I when we talk about personal power. I call it your it factor. Mm. You know, it's the thing that you've got that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. Um, and, and I like using the it factor because I feel like most people... Uh, have have come across somebody with an it factor. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the great part about using the it factor is it's not one thing, and it's not always quantifiable. Um, it's not something that you can always measure, but it's something that you can feel, and it's a presence, mm-hmm. and there's an aura around it yeah. when you know somebody that's got the it factor, and whether that's their self confidence, whether that's their ability to flow in and out of different social situations, their charisma, their grace, a lot of these different attributes that maybe somebody you know may pinpoint as an it factor, but mm-hmm. that's what personal power is about. It's about finding your it factor. It's mm-hmm. about finding that internal self confidence that lets you know whatever you're going through in your life, like you're gonna be okay, you've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's why I love personal power so much and I'm a, a huge proponent of people finding their personal power. And it's the third the third competency that makes up self-awareness because it's so important. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it's vital to our success. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, as we've talked about, we believe that everybody has personal power, um, but not everyone um, uses mm-hmm. their personal power. Confidence has a lot to do with that. So, like one of the one of the good questions around, you know, why more people don't use it is simply why. You yeah. Know, why don't they use it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they, we don't have time to dive into that. Uh, in in this in this podcast, but one of the things that I love that you always talk about is that your personal power or your superpower is positivity. Mm. Can you talk about that a little bit more in terms of how you have you have taken personal power to the next level when it comes to positivity? Because you know that's that's you know you've always been one of the most positive people that I've ever known in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I admire you a great deal for that. Um, because at your age, I didn't necessarily have that positivity. And and quite frankly, you know, back in 2008 and 2009, I lost all positivity, uh, at that point in time in my life. So it took me a long time to even, you know, begin to operate with positivity being part of my daily you know journey or process so talk yeah. about how why why positivity um, is so important for you and how you connect that to your personal power yeah I think it's ironic that you bring up 2008 2009 and, and when you reference that that's talking about the losses that we experience as a family talking about the loss of Uncle Mark and for me um, that was one of the first places uh, or he was one of the first people that 
uh, I can point to to say like I wanted that attribute from them and for me Uncle Mark was whenever he was in the room or whenever there was um, a group of people in a room he was always it always seemed like he made the room uh, a little lighter yeah he, he just added um, an element to the dynamics mm-hmm. that made everyone kind of laugh a little bit more it made people open up a little bit more it, it you know every time he was in the room i he felt had like the it factor. he had that it factor yeah and that was and that for me was huge yeah. it was it was the first person that i could point to that i that i really wanted to to use or have that quality mm. that he possessed. And so for me, I've kind of turned that into positivity, mm. both inward and outward positivity. And, and that's one of the ways that I feel so comfortable and confident in connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of the best things that I've ever been told about myself, I had a boss that told me, Avery, you have the, a, a great ability. You have the ability to relate to anybody doesn't matter if they're an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old <laughs> he's actually right about that <laughs> yeah and i really and i take pride in that and um uh, and and that was my my boss when i was an orientation leader his name was sean ryan and, and i take pride in what and what sean had to say about me and i think that my ability to do so stems from my positive outlook mm-hmm. it stems from my open-mindedness that Every time I meet somebody, I feel like there's an opportunity to learn something from that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not take something from that person, but an opportunity to learn nice. from that person. And, and you know, that can be both good and it can be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something that I could learn what to avoid or I could learn what not to do yeah. from any interaction. But I think that the open-mindedness and the positivity, mm-hmm. those come hand in hand. And then the, the open-mindedness, positivity, and let me throw in another one, optimism. Yes. Um, I'm, I feel like I, I carry optimism in my outlook on life. Another and I, competency of emotional intelligence. Exactly. Yeah. Realistic optimism. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I find the connection between my positivity and my optimistic outlook mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, well, for example, this the past 18 months or since we entered uh, this global pandemic, things have, have looked quite bleak at times. Mm-hmm. But um, I internally just have this 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 deep down feeling that like if we can get good at virtual then our business is going to be good yeah if we can hang tight and hang in and lean in as a family we're going to get through this pandemic stronger Mm -hmm. our bond our relationship as a family Mm -hmm. our connection as a family can actually grow because we've been forced to spend more time indoors with the people that we live with yeah Um, and then we turn to other resources one being the Yale class um, on mindfulness and Mm -hmm. and positivity so like there's just these things that um I utilize, I have like my positivity, my optimism when I'm going through tough times, like I'm tapping into that. Yeah. I'm tapping into that internal reserve that I have because guess what? That's my it factor. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I have that nobody can take away from me mm-hmm. is like, I'm going to view things from a lens, op- an optimistic lens that allows me to see opportunities where maybe others can't see it yeah. or the positivity that I internalize. It allows me to see things from a different lens mm-hmm. that maybe somebody who's negative or pessimistic, they might not be able to see because they're seeing the glass half empty but that's just the way that i'm able to progress and to continue to move forward and continue to push forward um you're starting to hear and i'm not going to go down this rabbit hole but you're starting to hear a little bit about the resilience that i have or the coping mechanisms that i utilize in order to get through challenging times again that's a little bit about self-management which is the second pillar of social and emotional intelligence and so we won't dive through that we'll have to save that that um, that quadrant for a different episode but yeah that's a little bit about you know positivity for me and where it stems from and why i tap into it so often yeah you told a a story recently when we were talking about personal power uh about uh uh, naomi osaka yeah uh and bowing out of the french 
uh, Oprah, why don't you share that a yeah. little bit? Because um, I, th- I think this is really, really good when, yeah. when you talk about your personal power. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this example a lot as well because, A, it's, it's very recent, um, but B, it does a great job of showing just... Um, you know how strong we have to be internally mm-hmm. uh, in order to persevere through challenges in order to to persevere through hurdles that life presents in us and so um the example that i use is naomi osaka is a tennis player and she's one of the best tennis players in the world right now um at, at the top of her game and um, a couple of months ago she was preparing for the french open and for those of you that don't know, the French Open is one of the biggest tennis tournaments in the world. Now, in, in, in advance to the tournament, leading up to the tournament, Naomi decided that she wasn't going to do any media interviews. Um, now, it turns out that the interviews are mandatory uh, as part of uh, an agreement between you know, the World Tennis Federation and then the media. Um, those interviews the press conferences that go uh, before the matches and even after the matches are mandatory now when she made that decision um, she was met with mixed reactions mm-hmm. you know some people they really applauded her for taking this stance and I guess I should have pointed out the reason why she didn't want to do the mandatory media interviews is um, because of her mental well-being mm-hmm. and she cited that while preparing for her tennis matches it also wasn't good for her mental health to answer question after question after question mm-hmm. um, her, her in her um, statement she said that uh, the questions after questions they they tend to promote doubt in uh, the athlete that has to answer these questions wow. that a lot of times are very repetitive mm-hmm. and so from that stance I do get it I get having to answer a question you know that may basically be the same thing but that's phrased in a different way right having to answer that over and over and over right just can that can create a, a sense of self-doubt sure. that can create some questioning in itself right and so she's like i'm trying to focus on these tennis matches so anyway a couple of days after she announced that she wasn't going to be in a you know partaking in these mandatory media interviews she then withdrew from the tournament mm. and so that was um very unexpected and uh it it seemed at the time like a really um big step because you have she was the number two ranked tennis player in the world going into one of the biggest tennis tournaments in the world and she went from i'm not doing interviews to i'm not going to play in this tournament Mm -hmm. and people were kind of like why yeah and 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 this is the point of the story is that she was tapping into her personal power Mm. well how is she doing so well, uh, inciting her mental health and her mental well-being as the reason for her not participating in the tournament, she was exuding self-awareness. Mm. And right then and there, that was her personal power. Her mm. personal power was the internal awareness and the internal belief in herself to say, hey, I know I'm not in a good space right now. Yeah. She knew that she was mentally unfit, yeah. not only to play at the highest level of her sport, mm-hmm. but then to go through the process of media interviews in which she said, like, the questioning after questioning is is um, is allowing for doubt yeah. to creep in. Yeah. And so that level of awareness, that's why I love this story, because she was so... Um, you know, she she was so aware yeah. of her her current state yeah. of being, her, yeah. her current state of well being, that she said, "Hey, I need to pull out of this tournament." Now, this is her job. This yeah. is not only her job. This is her her lifelong dream. Yeah. This is she's 23 years old. Yeah. So, like up to this point in her life, being one of the top tennis players, like she's devoted her life to this. Yeah, since she was a little girl. I find it um, uh, fascinating, and I think it's it's actually marvelous that. At 23 years old, she was able to do that, yeah. right? Because you have people that are in their 50s that are won't do the things, you know, for themselves that they know they need to do because perhaps they're afraid to put somebody off or how will that look? Yeah. Or, you know, what's the criticism that I'll right. get from that? And so kudos to her 
for being 23 years old uh, and doing that. Of course, you know, she never has to work again if she doesn't want to, which is good for her as well. Her skills have allowed her to do that. She's made that much money yeah. in tennis now. But I, I think that that's fantastic. And I would just suppose um, uh, Naomi Osaka uh, displaying her personal power the way that she did, maybe with somebody like a John McEnroe. Who you know displayed his personal power in a completely different way, and but it was personal power in that he sat up there and he would sit up there and answer those questions with belligerence, mm. right? And you know basically saying you know that's a dumb question or that's a stupid <laughs> question, you know, and just using him because it's in the tennis world, you know, uh, he he demonstrated that on the court, yeah. right? Yeah. With 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 the judges, uh, you know, and some of the the ball boys and the ball girls that time this year so everybody has you know the personal power they display it differently right. um uh, but i just think it's great for people to understand that they have that yeah. the last thing i'll say as we wrap this episode up um when we're talking about personal power the thing that i always want to put out there to people um when it comes to their personal power it's great to have it but it doesn't mean that you should abuse it Right. And so when we're talking about, you know, folks that are in, you know, leadership positions, you know, that their personal power oftentimes gets them to those leadership positions. You know, I just, you know, be self-aware enough not to abuse that power. And uh, because we see that happen uh, often as well. We won't go into examples of that, Um, but we see that uh, often as well. So, uh, but at any rate, this was, thanks for, for, this was Avery's idea to bring this up today. And uh, thanks for doing that, man. I think this was, I think this is a good session to have. Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, for us, this episode is great because we get a chance to, to dive deeper into the uh, first quadrant of social and emotional intelligence, and that's self-awareness. Um, and and in our presentations and in some of our workshops, we kind of outline you know how we can uh, how we can start to develop our self-awareness even more. And some of those things we just mentioned on this episode, being journaling um, and asking ourselves, "Who am I?" And um, some of those things, understanding what your blind spots are, which is something that we didn't necessarily dive through on this podcast, but that's in your accurate self-assessment is understanding, know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's another component of becoming, you know, truly self-aware. And don't be afraid to not know it. Correct. That's, that's, that's the thing. Correct. Right? Correct. Pride and ego have uh, <laughs> ruined a lot of things in, in yeah. people's lives. But anyway, go ahead, close yeah. us out. Well, yeah, we could definitely, you know, we could probably go for another hour and a half, but we might need to save that for the self-awareness part two podcast. <laughs> but uh, thank you all. If you've made it this far in the episode, we thank you for tuning in. And until next time, peace. Take care. <laughs>